Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're going to continue our series, Seven Signs, the Miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And we're on the fifth of seven miracles, by the way. We're going to talk about the moment when Jesus walked on water. And that is an awesome story. But the the point of all these signs as we look forward to Easter is to realize that John wrote these signs to point to Jesus as the one and only Messiah, the Son of God. And John 20, verse 30 and 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And that is why we're looking at these signs. Um, as I was thinking about the sign, just to back up a little bit, you know, Jesus is going to walk on water in the midst of a storm. And I got to thinking about storms in life. And through the years, I always love reading the book of Psalms. Psalms is such a great uh, book of the Bible. If you have a, a Bible that's Old and New Testament, you can usually open it in about the middle and you'll be probably in Psalms or somewhere close. And years ago, I read this verse, Psalms 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength a helper who always, uh, who is always found in times of trouble. And, you know, that helps me realize that God is our refuge. That when we are in trouble, when we are in need, we can go to God. We can seek Him and we'll be, fa- uh, we'll be found. And He can be our refuge. He can be our rock and He can be our strength. He can be the one that we lean on, trust in, and depend on whenever we're going through troubles, uh, whenever we're going through storms. And then that got me to thinking about how bad can a storm be? Have you ever been in a bad storm? Think about it. Uh, you know, I can even remember being in, uh, in elementary school and, of course, tornadoes. You know, we had a tornado watch, uh, what, not long ago. And thankfully, we didn't have any here. But I can remember the first time we did a tornado drill in school. And it was a scary experience. We had to, you know get under our desk, and then they're like, no, let's go to the hall. And then we get in the hall, and we, we huddle up. And we had seen pictures on the screen, you know, in the classroom, and it was blue to dark black. And uh, thankfully, nothing ever happened. But that's when it starts to get real, is when you realize a storm can be big and bad and ugly, and it can do all kinds of damage, and, and it can happen suddenly. And then think about our lives. Uh, Many times we encounter storms of a different kind. We have problems and troubles that unexpectedly happen. And how do we handle those? And as I was thinking about Psalms, there's a Psalm, Psalm 107. Check it out sometime. It, It has about four or five scenarios that would be like some of the worst things you could imagine in life. And uh, I won't read that Psalm. I'll just read one verse from it. But one of the worst case scenarios that you could find yourself in would be in a storm at sea. Can you imagine being, you know, in a boat on the sea when a, when a horrible, you know, uh, uh, storm comes up and, you know, there's nowhere to go. I mean, there you are. And how do you, how do you weather that storm? And as I was looking at that in Psalm 107, verse 29 specifically, it says, He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. 
Now, the he, the subject of that verse, is God. Only God can, can still a storm. Only God can stop and hush the waves. That's important to recognize. Because in the New Testament, when we fast forward to the current scene, when Jesus does what he does, it shows the biblically informed that only only God, oh, Jesus is the Son of God. Only He can still the storm. Only He can stop the waves. And obviously, only He could walk on water. Look, if you will, in John chapter 6, verse 16. This is right after the fourth sign that Brother Darren talked about last week, and I appreciate him doing that for me. thought he did a great job talking about the feeding of the 5,000 and the bread of life. And right after that miracle, right after that sign in uh, John 6, 16, it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in. But Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. And after they had rolled about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But He said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take Him on board. And at once the boat was at the shore where they were headed I like what Adrian Rogers says. He says that Jesus is God's peace for your despair. Think about how discouraging and how much despair you have when you find yourself in a storm. And you can't control the weather. And you can't change it. And you have to brace yourself and hunker down and, and, and weather the storm and survive the storm. Well, I want you to know that Jesus is God's peace for that. You see, we can experience God's peace because of His providence. When you look at this story, I want you to see the, the things that are going on behind the scenes. Matthew gives us another account of this same story. In Matthew 14, verse 21, he says, Now those who, were, now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, he says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Now here is Jesus who immediately makes the disciples get into the boat and sends them off. Then he dismisses the crowds. And then he goes up on a mountain to pray by himself. And the word I want you to realize is immediately. What prompted Jesus to immediately take charge of the situation? I mean, here's a bunch of people. They were hungry. He did an amazing miracle. They're all fed. They're satisfied. And he immediately gets the disciples in the boat, sends them off, dismiss the crowd. Everybody go home. He goes up on the mountain to pray. What could have happened for him to immediately take charge. We'll go back to John 6. And this time we're going to start a verse early. 
in John 6, verse 15. After this miracle of feeding the 5,000, in John 6, 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, He withdrew again to the mountain by Himself. And it goes on. So Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, the crowd was so impressed that there was a group that wanted to seize him and make him king by force. They had found their leader with a free meal ticket. What's better than that, right? And so they were ready to take him and make him king. And so Jesus knew that and he immediately shut it down. He sent the disciples away. He dismissed the, the crowd and he went up on the mountain to pray. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus knew what He was doing. He was, he was protecting His disciples from the storm that was brewing on land by sending them into a boat, even though they would encounter a storm at sea. And Matthew 14, 25 says that Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. If you've got the King James translation, it, it says that it was the fourth watch of the night. Now, what is the fourth watch of the night? It's between 3 and 6 a.m. Anybody up last night during the fourth watch of the night? Hopefully not. But the fourth watch of the night is from 3 to 6 a.m. And that was the darkest part of the night. And guess what? That's when Jesus came to them. But you know what? There's nothing that... As Adrian Rogers says, there's nothing that comes to you except that which Jesus either causes or allows. And one way or the other, you're being guided by His providential care. You know, we can experience God's peace because of His providence. He knows the future and He's in control. And He was leading and guiding the disciples. And He sent them away from the crowd. He dismissed the crowd and He put them in the boat and He sent them on. And they could take care that He knows what's best. We can experience God's peace because of His prayers. Go back and look again. There in John 6, 15, when He realized they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, He withdrew again to the mountain by Himself. Yes, He put the disciples in a boat. Yes, He dismissed the crowd. But the emphasis here with John is He withdrew to go to the mountain by Himself. And Matthew 14, 23 says, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. In other words, he went to the mountain not just to get alone, not just to get away, but he did it to pray. And well into the night, he was there alone. Mark also has a, a version of the story in Mark 6, 48. Mark gives us something that nobody else does. He says, he, referring to Jesus, saw them, referring to the disciples, straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and he wanted to pass them by. And I love the humor there. You know, he, he's just going to, oh, I'll see how y'all doing. Just going to pass by and they're like, Jesus, you know. And so uh, Jesus saw them straining at the oars. I mean, Jesus is on the mountaintop. He's got a great view. And even though it's night, He's the Son of God. And He saw them straining. He saw them struggling. You know what? When Jesus, uh, Jesus prays for us because He can see what we're going through. He knows what we're going through. We can experience God's peace because He is praying for us. 
I don't know about you, but I, I'm thankful for the heavenly ministry of Christ, the earthly ministry of Christ. Let me explain that. The earthly ministry of Christ is written in the Gospels. You know, He, he came and he, he lived and he, he did all these wonderful things and he, he died and He was buried and He rose again and He even ascended back to heaven. He did everything that was necessary while He was here to make it possible for you and I to be saved and He purchased our salvation when He died on that cross and He rose from the grave. But now the Bible says that He's ascended to heaven. And now He is what? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is He doing there? He's interceding for you and me. That's just a big word that means He's praying for us. He is praying for us. Even now, He is praying for us. And I can have peace and you can have peace because of the prayers of Jesus. I love that, uh, I love that uh, song about the... The eye upon the sparrow, it says, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that He watches me. And that is true. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. You and I can experience God's peace because of His providence and His prayers, but also His presence. John 6, 19 and 20 says after they had rolled about three or four miles. Imagine how tired they were. This wasn't just a leisurely trip. This was in the midst of a storm. They were giving it all they got for three or four miles. And it was a struggle. And I'm sure they were tired and exhausted. And their nerves were on end. And they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And He comes near the boat. And they were afraid. Oh, that's an understatement. They were afraid. And he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Remember, it was during the fourth watch of the night. It was the darkest hour of the night. And these men were afraid. But it was during that time that Jesus came. Isn't that good? He comes when it's the darkest time. You know, you and I can experience God's peace because of His providence, prayers, presence. And now His power. He says, it's I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take Him on board. And the Bible says, here's a miracle we don't talk about enough. The Bible says there in John 6, 21, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were headed. I don't know how that happened. Here they are, three or four, more, three or four miles out, and they're, they're struggling. They've been rowing for a while. It's the fourth watch of the night. It's early in the morning. They see Jesus walking on the water. They're scared to death. He says, it's I, don't be afraid. They let him come into the boat. And the minute he gets in the boat, they're on the other side. That's a miracle too. We just don't talk about it. But here's the thing. When he says, don't be afraid, it is I. That's something I want to talk about for a moment. Because in the original language, he really he literally says, it is I, I am. I am. You know, there are seven different times in the Gospel of John where Jesus has these I am statements, where he finishes the, the phrase, I am whatever, the bread of life, the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. But on this moment, on this day, when he's walking on the water, and he says, don't be afraid, it's I, I am. That should have screamed out to them what was going on. Remember a while ago when I was reading in Psalms 107, where God is the one that steals the storm and stops the waves? Only God can do things in a storm that no one else can do, like walk on water. And here he is walking on the water of the sea, coming to them, and he says, it is I, I am. He's saying, I'm God. I mean, there's the scene, there's the statement. What more proof do you need than that right there? Uh, as country boy would say, there's your son. And it was. And so Jesus is helping us realize that He alone has the power to do that. So today I want you to think about how do you depend upon Jesus when you're in a storm? Well, I think it all hinges on one, one fact. You've got to recognize who He is. And then when He comes to you in the midst of the storm, you believe Him, you trust Him, and you depend on Him. Let me give you three quick things that the disciples did that I hope it will help you know what to do the next time you're in a storm to depend on Jesus. How do you depend upon Jesus in a storm? Number one, refuse to panic. You know, they were scared. You would be too. They had sailors in the boat. They were experienced. It didn't matter. They were still scared. But you know what? They refused to panic when Jesus said, It's I. Don't be afraid. When God speaks to our fears in the midst of the storm, that's when you can make a choice to say, I'm going to refuse to panic. And then the second thing is choose to praise. You can look at different variations of the story, and there's different boat stories in the Gospels where the disciples are with Jesus in a boat. There's different stories. And I can remember one when he stilled the, the, the waves and said, Peace be still, and they began to worship him. They began to worship him. And you know what? When you and I are in a storm, if we're going to depend upon Jesus, we've got to refuse to panic and choose to praise. We do. We've got to choose to praise Him. Praise Him. I love, that, uh, I love that song that came out a few years ago, Casting Crowns, where it says, Praise you in this storm. And the, the chorus goes like this, I will praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I remember walking with a family through that. In Tennessee, we had a, a wonderful family, a husband and wife who had four boys. And they, the couple were in their 30s. And the husband, he had brain cancer. The, the stats on it said the longest you would live would be Six years if you were lucky. He lived slightly past that, I believe. And I remember when, you know, 
it happened and it hit the family hard. It hit our church family hard. It happened right before Easter. That's one reason why I remember it. And one of his dying wishes was everybody would be at church that Easter Sunday. And boy, were they. They really were that particular Easter Sunday. And I remember a little while after that, we've been learning a new song. And we sang, I will praise you in the storm. Because we'll go through storms in life that we don't always understand. And the experience could be tough. It could be hard. It could be a loss. It could be sadness. It could be grief. And yet, we can refuse to panic because Jesus is in our lives and we can choose to praise Him in the storm. And then the last thing I would say is ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. You know, that's not necessarily in this text, but I'm reminded of a text in the Bible, James chapter 1, that comes to mind when it says in verse 5, Now if any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. And listen to what it says next. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. You know, you and I, when we are in a storm, need to ask God for wisdom. What we need more than anything is a word from God. And we need to know how to apply that word in our daily life. So that when the storm passes and we're dealing with the rubble and we're dealing with perhaps a new reality, maybe we've experienced grief or loss or some kind of pain, we got to know how to move forward. And you and I can ask God for wisdom. And He says He'll give it to you. But you've got to trust Him and not doubt Him. Because when you doubt Him, you're going right back to the storm. And you're being tossed about by the wind and the waves. You've got to trust Him. And you've got to depend on Him. And it's my prayer today that God will give you wisdom to know what to do and how to do. So that you can Depend on Him when you're in the storm. You know, let's go back to one last thing before I close. Jesus came to them and He said, It is I, I am. Don't be afraid. Do you realize that Jesus is the great I am? Well, where does that even come from? I know you're going, that's odd language, Brother Corey. What do you mean the great I am? Well, let me, let me give you the backstory real quick. When in the Old Testament, when Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush, and God said, all right, Moses, I'm going to send you to go back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. They go through the whole conversation. Finally, it gets to the point to where Moses says, what do I say when I tell your people that you've appeared to me? And they say, well, who appeared to you? What do I say? And God says, tell them, I am that I am sent you. Sounds odd, don't it? But God is saying that His name is I am. He transcends time and space because He's God. He is the great I am. 
And no matter what we're going through or what we've gone through, He is all we need and He is the great I Am. He is the bread of life. And when you eat what He has, you'll be satisfied and you'll never hunger again. He is the living water. And when you drink His water, you'll never thirst again. He is the great I Am. He is the one who lays down His life for the sheep. He says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the great I am. And what I want to ask you today is this. When it comes to your greatest need, which is salvation, when it comes to the the greatest moment in life, when we stand before God on judgment day, will you be ready for that moment? And are you prepared to die? Because you need to realize that Jesus is the great I Am. And He has done everything that's necessary for you and I to be saved. He came, He lived, He died, He rose again, He ascended to heaven, and one day He's coming back. Are you ready for Him? Do you know Him? It's my prayer today that you do. Would you please stand? Musicians, if you would come. Ushers, if you would come. We're going to have a time of invitation. And it's my prayer, if you don't know the Lord today, that you would take that first step of faith and trust and follow Jesus today. It's very simple. It starts with prayer. Talking to God. You've got to invite Him into your life. You've got to ask Him to come into your life. Prayer is happens when you and I believe there is a God and He exists and He listens to those who seek Him in faith that are willing to trust Him with their lives. He won't turn that prayer away when you're trying to come to Jesus. Well, let's pray. Father, we come before You right now. I pray that You'd speak to each and every heart. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know You, Lord, I pray that today would be that first step where they trust and follow you. Lord, have your will and your way in this invitation and in this service. And Father, thank you for being our great I am. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.